0: Hello and welcome to Giant Talk, everyone that's just joining us, the, the world's first OKR pod, podcast in partnership with Koan. And today, obviously, we're coming to you live. Um, today, you have me, Jenny, as host, and Lawrence, Matt, and Scott are joining us for what promises to be a fantastic discussion as always. So, during the next hour, also, we'll be talking teams and how you can encourage your teams to take OKRs seriously, something that's really important. But before we dive in, I just wanted to give a quick note on questions. So, you'll see there's a chat function in Podbean. So, if you've got any questions during the chat, please feel free to drop them in there and we'll pick them up as soon as we can. So, let's get started. So, for anyone that doesn't know you, Lawrence, do you want to introduce yourself, please?
1: Sure, yeah. Uh, thanks, Jenny. It's rare that I'm not um, the uh, representative on the panel today. I've, I've moved myself from host to guest. So um, I've been the host of, the, of Giant Talk for, what, about 80 or so, I suppose. Um, then when I'm not um, head of OKR projects and operations within, so working with clients all over the world, um, remotely now as, as, as it is, um, to do OKR implementation and coaching and, and really help them get their OKR efforts running as as smoothly and gain the most impact from OKRs
2: as possible.
0: Great. Thanks, Lawrence. Uh, Matt, can you introduce yourself, please?
2: Yeah, Hi, everyone. I'm Matt Tucker, the CEO and co-founder of Koan. I'm excited to join another episode of Giant Talk um, to discuss uh, a topic that um, feels like one that is really near and dear to our hearts, uh, which is how to really um, make OKRs okay, work amazingly well at the team level, uh, which, as we all know, that's where all the real work gets done. And so, um, you know, if you can really connect uh, what's happening at the strategic vision to uh, the, the work getting done, um, that's, that's a lot of where the magic happens. So, excited for this topic.
0: Perfect. Thank you. And lastly, and definitely not least, Scott, do you want to introduce yourself?
3: Yeah. Thanks, Jenny. Um, Scott Campbell, co-founder of Koan, and uh, excited to be a part of the conversation.
0: Perfect. Thanks, Scott. So, let's dive in. So, we know that OKRs can really help align and drive teams forward towards uh, growth. But as with any change, there can be resistance. So, why do you think some teams or individuals don't take OKRs seriously? And I'm going to put that to you, Lawrence, as an opener, please.
1: Okay, thanks, Jen. Um, so, well, I think there's really maybe three or four reasons why um, certain schools or certain teams don't take the whole okay, our process and in initiative seriously. Um, I've seen it in lots of my clients, and I'm sure the guys in Coan have, have seen it in some of the guys that they've onboarded too. Um, and and I think yeah, the reason the kind of Either that they've seen them fail in the past, um, and that's not necessarily in your business, that might be businesses that they were in previously. Um, could be that they've seen similar initiatives fail in the past, and there's similar objective settings, similar um, goal setting and performance management, performance development type things. If they've seen those not work in the past, it might just be a bit numb to it all. And the biggest threat really, though, with OKRs, and this was proven in our 29 OKR research that you find online, is really the perception that senior leadership aren't taking them seriously. And if there's this perception within the business that um, the senior management teams aren't really bought into the OKR process or aren't giving as much gusto to it is being asked of the individuals um, at a team level, then that's really not going to um, not really going to help OKRs thrive in the business. Because people have this probably reasonable, um, you know, mindset of well, if they're not willing to put the effort in, then why should we? And I think that's a really, really dangerous thing that I've seen multiple times happen. Is that the senior leadership team want to have all the amazing outcomes from from OKRs that OKRs can bring. That aren't really willing to put in the effort themselves to make it
2: happen.
0: Great, thanks, Lawrence. I suppose Matt and Scott, you've probably seen similar things. But do anything you'd further you'd want to add to that?
2: Yeah, I'll I'll just pick up on Lawrence's um, you know uh, comment around you know oh we've seen OKRs uh, fail before and um, you know, maybe this isn't a business process for me. Um, there is there some word for uh, an irrational fear of anything with acronyms and, you know, and being represented by letters, um, that, that might be part of this, too. Um, but I, uh, there's often this um, question of, you know, what's in it for me, um, down at the team level and uh, down at the individual level? And uh, I think that can be exacerbated uh, by uh, what Lawrence pointed out, which is, well, hey, if I don't see the senior leadership taking this seriously and investing the time in it, why should I put a bunch of time in it uh, myself? And, you know, if I do uh, put some time into reporting and tracking on this, what do, I, what do I get out of it and what ultimately is the value to me? Um, so I imagine, you know, uh, a lot of the conversation we're going to have today is what are some things you can do to make sure that uh, OKRs are providing a ton of value down at the team level and individual level. Um, but ultimately, you know, it, it often comes down to that for me, which is either... I don't understand how OKRs are going to provide value to me or to our team. and um, I don't believe that they're going to. Uh, or, wow, they actually aren't providing value because something's going wrong with how we're running the process. Yeah, and just to,
3: you know, to jump in on that as well, um, I, it, we found that teams definitely get a little defocused and not know don't really embrace the OKR methodology when they don't feel like their work is really reflected in the OKRs themselves. So if they feel like the OKRs are too highly set, you know, too ethereal, too you know, company levelish versus the individual team and what they're actually working on, then that can obviously be a disconnect. And in that scenario, you typically have a situation where. You know the work that they're doing on a regular basis doesn't get recognized as well as part of the OKR process. And when reviews of OKRs are done, the, the massive amount of work that they've been doing on a regular basis just isn't um, isn't recognized as being a big contribution to the organization itself. So that can that can be very demoralizing for a team.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I think Scott just touched on it there about kind of what the implications are if people don't take them seriously. But Lawrence, in your experience, kind of if people or teams or individuals aren't taking OKRs seriously, what are those implications for the business?
1: Yeah, so great question. I mean, you know, really, I suppose there's the biggest fear is that a company isn't going to hit its growth targets. You know, if suddenly – one or two teams or individuals aren't taking OKL seriously. The problem is that this can derail the whole process really quite quickly. You know, it can have a catalyst effect. And as soon as, you know, I see you not taking them seriously and I don't see Scott taking them seriously and I don't see Matt as my manager taking them seriously. You know, why am I going to keep on taking them seriously? Talk about kind of you know wasted effort. Um, so it can really derail the whole process. And, and depending on what you brought OKRs in to do, usually to hit growth targets, something around growth change and innovation, um, you're really putting those in danger. And, and actually in this environment that we're currently in, it might be that you, you're just not going to put the lights on. You know, if, if you really are setting your stall out and setting these objectives because you're in a dangerous position as a business right now, and people not taking the objectives that are being set seriously, then that might be enough to, to completely derail the business, um, which means it's, it's not good enough to just say, oh, well, you know, that's that's just what so-and-so is like. You know, you've got to deal with these things head on or, or that toxic culture will be created. Those silos will go up um, and, and you could have a real problem on your hands quite quickly.
0: Absolutely. I think... <laughs> To look at how to get teams to take them seriously, does it come down to involvement with them from the outset? And Matt, I'll put that one to you, please.
2: It certainly helps. And so one... what
0: Have we lost, Matt?
2: lost. We Matt?
0: Scott, are you okay to pick that one up?
3: Um, yeah, certainly. Um, in terms of, you know, how the implications towards the, the business, obviously, if, if everyone isn't you know, marching the the right direction, the same direction, I think that can obviously, you know, create some serious challenges for the business overall. Um, You know, one of the, and I think we're going to, you know, get to this in a little bit, actually, but one of the common failings we find in the OKR process itself is that Managers are the ones or VPs or executives are only the ones that are reporting on progress towards goals. And, of course, if that's the case, you get a situation where, you know, unfortunately, politics kind of, you know, come into play a little bit because, you know, managers want to look good um, up throughout the organization. But most importantly, what you also find is a situation where the team members themselves actually have a lot more information about, you know, what is going on within the organization itself right? What is impeding process or progress? Um, you know, what's on a regular basis is really a great way to facilitate great conversations and really understand, you know, where the pivot points are for the business. What are the opportunities that can be addressed? What are the challenges? And then creating, you know, really good conversations around that. So you're not just you know, reporting on progress itself, but you're you're obtaining information through the you know through the methodology. And that's you know one of the biggest benefits that you get
0: great. Thanks Scott. I'm not sure if Matt's back with us.
2: I hope I am. (laughs) You are loud and clear. Loud and clear. (laughs) Um, it seemed to be having extra technical difficulties today and um and I'm even losing some of the the audio from Scott and and Lauren so uh, well, I'll cross my fingers that this uh, goes better as we keep going.
0: Great stuff. I'll put that question back to you then, Matt, now you're with us. So, to get Teams to take OKR okay, seriously, does it come down to involvement from the outset then?
2: Yeah, Teams involved uh, early on. Um, let me know if, if uh, my audio messed up again, um, please. Yeah. Um, but you know, that is not only in um, you know, pitching them on, on the idea and involving them, like the why of we're doing OKRs and bringing them on board with you know, framing you know, why are we doing this business process, why are we going to invest time in this, um, what's in it for the company, what's in it for all of you. Um, and then you know getting deep into the planning process as well. You know, it's a lot more engaging to be part of the conversation um, and you know, to help define you know, what outcomes we're trying to achieve rather than just being handed a list of, of tasks to do. Um, so having, having teams involved early on um, is a, a great way of building some engagement.
0: So if you just um, to frame that question, I guess, slightly, does that mean it, that even if you work in a really large organization, that everyone should be involved when it comes to OKRs, setting OKRs?
2: I certainly think so. We've had some conversations um, in in previous podcasts uh, around this idea. of um, The one caveat I'll give is uh, this idea that we talked about before of OKRs um, really being a spotlight uh, in the business. It's not usually the case that every single team and every single individual um, might be working on OKRs every single quarter. Um, and in some quarters, it might be you know your part of the business is really focused on just maintaining some health metrics, or health metrics or KPIs, and um, while other parts of the business you know have the spotlight shined on them with uh, goals or OKRs. And um, so, assuming that uh, you are working on something that's uh, critical and that you're trying to achieve in some fundamental way, and um, you know, having that deep involvement and really looking for opportunities to. Uh, Lawrence has has talked about this um, previously in in an articulate way, looking for opportunities to let the people and the teams that are actually going to do the work and to have a leadership position or leadership role uh, with those OKRs rather than it just only and always being the executive team uh, leading any particular initiative. Um, That's another great way to, to drive involvement.
0: Great. Thanks, Matt. We've actually had um, a question which kind of touches on what you've just been talking about. It's, um, what about a scenario where sen- senior leadership is quite keen on OKRs and spending time to get it right, but the rest of the organisation is struggling to buy into it? How can you help the teams see the benefits? And we'll come on to this later, but I just wanted to put that to you now, Lawrence, if that's OK.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And it is a great question. Um, I think this really, for me, all boils down to communication. Um, it's unlikely that you're going to have a whole organisation that um, are refusing to buy into the process. Uh, if you do, there's something wrong with your recruitment policy. Um, but but really, you know, be, being serious, it, it comes down to what you're communicating, and Matt really started. Um, It's not good enough just saying to people, oh, by the way, from next quarter, we're going to be doing OKRs, you know, because nine out of 10 people probably won't even know what OKRs are, Mm. never mind what you want to do with them. And this is exactly what Matt was talking about. It's about setting the scene for the whole organization. And this might take, you know, a two or three hour sort of uh, town hall style meeting or even multiple communications or even putting together resources to send to people to explain what they are. Um, but it's all about why you're introducing OKRs for the business, um, you know, what you're looking to see change. How will you know if OKRs have been successful in 12 months, for example, could be part of it. But also explaining what the impact's going to be on those individuals because change is scary, change is always scary. Um, no matter which part of the business you're in. So you've really got to be quite cognizant of that and, and understand that that's where you need to start when you're talking to individuals um, on a basis of what it means for them. You know, even down to the real nitty-gritty of how is it going to tie into pay? How is it going to tie into bonuses? How is it going to affect job description? How is it going to affect who they work with on a day-to-day basis? Because we would encourage people to use OKRs um, to create cross-functional working, which means the teams they're working in might might be slightly impacted. Um, and the problem is, is that if you just say to somebody, "Right, from from first of September next week, we're going to be working towards OKRs." The major problem with that is they'll probably go away and Google OKRs. And be um, kind of confronted online with a thousand different interpretations of what OKRs are and what they've done in their business, which means they're just going to be even more confused. So really to answer that question, the the senior management team have done, have done a really decent amount of work deciding what OKRs mean to that business, mean to the individuals of that business, and then be able to communicate that in a really coherent and concise way, probably a much better way than I've just answered that question.
0: No, it sounded pretty good to me, Lawrence. Um, so, something you touched on then was about cross-functional working. Um, and our next question is around, sensors around kind of the assignment of OKRs. So, OKRs are generally assigned to one owner. So, if you've got a team where members don't have any OKRs assigned to them, how do you get them to take them seriously? And I'll put that to Scott, please, first.
3: So, if a team member doesn't have anything assigned to them in particular, is that the uh
0: yeah that's it so yeah yeah, so they don't have anything assigned to them specifically
3: yeah well you know hopefully that's not the case um you know certainly you know especially in the context we we believe in strong involvement from the team members you know teams are you know again where the the hard work happens and and they you know very rarely does a single individual actually influence a strategic goal. Usually, it's at least two or three people, um, and oftentimes it's a you know two three people from across the across the organization or across different functional you know parts of the organization across teams, across departments. Um, in that scenario, what you you should do is have a. Reporting structure that actually involves the team members from the various different teams that are uh, that are involved in tackling that particular goal and soliciting their opinion. One of the the challenges with implementing OKRs is kind of the you know how you do it from a structural standpoint. And if you don't have a, a facility to you know that really helps assign cross-functional goals and limits, as I mentioned before, limits the reporting on goals to one individual. Then you're going to be Really challenged. We've dealt with many clients that really kind of get hung up on the the fact that they are, you know, oftentimes their particular goals dependent on another team, for example, in order to deliver a product or you know market the product with a new campaign, and that's going to affect their ability to achieve that goal. So, you know, soliciting those opinions, making sure that the various different you know cross team members are assigned to goals. And creating or facilitating a way in which they can report on that on a regular basis really helps with collaboration and, you know, um, I guess, knowledge across the organization so that you can actually assess the progress towards those goals appropriately.
0: Great. Thanks, Scott. Um, and I suppose – sorry, did you want to add something there, Lawrence?
1: Yeah, I just want to call out for, for Cohen, really, because Scott's not done it there. Um, <laughs> is... Mm-hmm. Coan has has an amazing contributor function, right? That that means that just because somebody doesn't own it and, you know, we are big advocates of only individually owning um, um, objectives and key results, not uh, having multiple owners, that doesn't mean that you can't use the contributor function. Um, And those contributors should be part of the check-ins. They should be part of the catch-ups, you know, because they are working towards that, OKR as well. They're just maybe not the one that's updating the system or uh, not the one that's reporting it back up the chain. So, it's really important that there's full full involvement there.
0: Great. Thanks, Lawrence. And that leads me into nicely to another question that we had about the check-in process. Um, And you mentioned it just there when you spoke, Lawrence, about um, how important that is. So, to keep teams serious about OKRs, is that something that's really important? And what's your kind of top tips for that process, I guess, to keep people engaged?
1: Um, what, how important the check-in process is.
0: Yeah, absolutely.
1: All, yeah, I mean, for me, the check-in process is is vital. It's the lifeblood of the OKR system. It's what makes OKRs different to any of the other goal-setting uh, frameworks that have come before it. And, um, you know, there's no sort of apologies that it's taken some of the methodology from from Agile, etc., cetera, and, and applied those into a more higher-level, Um, company-wide goal strategy system, and that's because it works. And, you know, it's what keeps the team supporting each other. It's what keeps everybody involved, what keeps everybody aware of what else is going on in the business. Um, It keeps everybody aware of the dependencies. And, you know, it's really about that, okay, if somebody needs support on their um, OKR and there's never any sort of conversations that happen, to be able to provide that support, then then how can it how can it ever take place, and how can that person get the help they need, whether it's from their peers or their manager? Um, so really, for me, check-ins are where OKRs live and die. If you've got no habit or routines around check-ins in your OKR process, um, you're going to end up with set and forget goals again, which really is what OKRs should be the opposite of. So I love how Coan is designed with the team in mind. The team is really at the centre of the system and it's about helping the team and the members of those teams obviously to really collaborate on how they work with OKRs. I mean there's there's obviously full transparency across the system which helps and then the features that they have around feedback uh, and uh, being able to track uh, levels of confidence and so on and so forth around, and progress against OKRs. It, it's, it's amazing, and it, because of that level of transparency, it builds accountability and fosters some great communication. So yeah, I love how teams are just at the center of uh, the system.
0: We've had a question from Ross on the chat and I'm going to open it up to all three of you for your feedback. Um, he says, our agile teams aren't keen on working to a quarterly cadence to waterfall, they say. Do you have a, any guidance on best practices for bringing OKRs to agile teams?
2: I'll jump in on that one. Um, yeah, and, and so, and a great question and you know, I, we are big fans of uh, Quarterly OKR process being a great fit for a lot of different businesses and teams. Uh, but there's no hard and fast rule that that's the only approach you can take. Uh, oh. or, or an eight-week cycle, for example. Um, and so there, there's no single hard and fast rule that quarterly is, is the only option. Um, On the other hand, having a a pretty specific cadence that is regular and dependable uh, is really valuable because it gives everyone certainty around knowing when planning is going to happen and that there's the right amount of time to measure outcomes. Um, If you are doing a good job of defining your OKRs, it's not that, hey, we've written down the plan for everything we're going to do. And um, you know OKRs are not a roadmap uh, if you're a product development organization. Um, it is you know, the big strategic things you're trying to accomplish and the ways you're going to measure whether you accomplish them. And so often what we'll see is you know, in product organizations that are running with an agile process and the OKRs they define are all about the larger outcomes that they're trying to achieve and that can still work pretty well um, over a quarter long basis. Um, but then there's a separate process for actually doing uh, the roadmap and product releases. Uh, and you know, the idea is usually let's uh, define what we're trying to achieve, how we're going to measure it. Um, great, we've written that out as OKRs, they're high level, anyone in the organization can understand it. Now, as product and engineering teams, we're going to figure out our plan and the roadmap to achieve it. Uh, we do it, we ship releases, we iterate. And we hope to be able to measure those effects and see the the outcomes uh, in OKRs, whether those are quarterly um, or a little bit more often.
0: Great. Thanks, Matt. Did Scott or Lawrence, did you have anything further to add to that answer to Ross?
3: Um, I do not. Go ahead.
1: (laughs) Well, I do, Scott, okay? (laughs) (laughs) Um, I basically just want to back up what um, Matt was saying at the end there. And this is where we see a classic era time and time again where people think that OKRs have to be rolled out down to individual level or even down to every team level. Um, They they really don't. And this is exactly what Matt was saying there. If you've got a process that's working in your business already, don't try and overlay OKRs on top of it. You're just going to get it all mixed up and in a muddle. Of course, if you have one that isn't working properly, then, yeah, replace it with OKRs. Great. But but really what you should be keeping in your head is, is this OKR that I'm now writing, whether it's a level two OKR or level three OKR, is it adding anything strategically powerful to us here? And what I mean by strategically powerful is either um, it's giving people a much better way to report on the work they're doing or it's keeping people laser focused on the, the goals that we want to achieve. If it isn't doing either of those things, then probably OKR isn't necessary. And we've worked with, well, almost every client we work with now, to be honest. we just set the goals for whether it's product teams, dev teams, um, a lot of tech teams that are working already to something like Agile or Waterfall or Scrum. Um, we, we just keep the OKRs at quite a managerial level or quite a head of department level. So he can rile his team and know what they've got to work on and what they want the impact of those things to be. But don't try and get them working to to a whole new hymn book. You know, that is really where you're going to get things muddled up. So I guess our answer to the question, Ross, is um, just don't do it. <laughs> you know, you, you really don't have to do it. And really good for the team's necessity. All, all working for you. Then, then carry on that and just set out those five-level goals for the teams.
0: Perfect. Thanks, Lauren. So, uh, great question, Ross. We hope that answered it for you. I'm just going to pull a question, the question slightly back to the serious approach from teams again. So, something we hear quite regularly is set it and forget it is something that and it can really contribute to teams not taking OKRs seriously. So, Matt, how do teams avoid this set it and forget it approach?
2: I think it comes um, right to uh, a comment Lawrence made around um, the check-in process being the essentially lifeblood of your your whole OKR process. Um, And it it doesn't need to be super heavy. It doesn't need to be incredibly time-consuming. But if you don't have at least a lightweight structure to very regularly assess progress, um, then uh, you're going to be in trouble. Um, And there are uh, a few different really common fail cases uh, for OKRs, but set and forget is um, you know, probably the most common of all. And we write down our goals, uh, we, we show them to everyone at the beginning of, of the quarter, and then we never look at them again and, and never talk about them again. Um, and so if instead uh, you have a, a check-in process in um, the Koan product, we call it a, a reflection. Um, we love to see it happen uh, either weekly or biweekly and it's pretty simple. You know, generally speaking, it's for each key result, we make sure that we update the metric, and uh, we provide a confidence score. Uh, so a prediction about whether we are uh, going to complete the key result by the due date. And you can do that you know, uh, as simply as a red, yellow, green uh, type score. And then quick qualitative summary. Um, what's going well? What have we accomplished? Where are we blocked? Where do we need help? Uh, And just having that lightweight structure and building a habit around it and a cadence uh, just has a foundational uh, difference in in terms of the success of the business process.
0: Thanks, Matt. Um, Scott, did you want to add anything additional to that?
2: Um, I think
0: the
3: the one thing that comes to mind is really a a bit higher level. But, you know, I think a lot of organizations also don't establish an, an OKR champion. An OKR leader that is really focused on making sure that the organization is actually reporting on goals on a regular basis. It is not fire and forget. Um, keeping the teams aligned, modifying and adjusting the OKRs during the period if necessary. I and mean, obviously we just came out of come out of I guess we're in the middle of a you know very disruptive period in the world, right? So we always advocate flexibility. Um, OKRs aren't intended to be well, I guess you know there are some purists out there that would definitely suggest you, you you set OKRs and you don't change them, but you reflect at the end of that period. I, th- I think this last six months in the world has really led us to believe that you know goals should be flexible. You should you, know, you should be modifying those on you know not a regular basis. You don't want to do it uh, you know uh, just because you, you feel like you set artificially high goals or what have you. But if the world changes, if the business changes dramatically it is definitely important to go and modify those goals. And usually that OKR champion is responsible for that type of you know, discussion. And the OKR champion is really the one that's shepherding the rest of the business to make sure that they're reporting on goals on a regular basis and making sure that the, the entire process is healthy. So when I think of fire and forget, I also think of you know the, the scenario that I think Lawrence described earlier where You know, the managers are really the ones that are focused on OKRs um, and that entire process. And hopefully they're pretty well educated on how the actual methodology should be employed. But that's, you know, that's not a great scenario to be in by, you know, properly enabling the entire organization to understand the OKR process, having a shepherd to facilitate those discussions, make sure you get regular updates, um, that's that's paramount. So you know, I know that sounds for some organizations, that sounds like it might be you know resource intensive, and that you know somebody would have to spend 100 percent of the time just managing the OKRs for their organization. In some cases, that's the right way to go. We often sometimes see chief operating officers, chiefs of staff, really you know focus a lot of their effort. But typically, you know that resource, you know, spends a you know good amount of time on the OKR facilitation itself, making sure that they're crafted appropriately, making sure there aren't duplicative goals, or even conflicting goals within the organization. But that you know that intensive effort is usually around a quarterly cadence, so 80% of the time might be spent actually doing the OKRs, making sure that they're done appropriately and enabling the organization to be uh, successful just on that two or three week period before and at the beginning of the quarter, but hopefully that tails off, they get back to their day job, and then they, you know, go through that process again. So, you know, when I think of, again, fire and forget, uh, I but almost always, I go directly towards, you know, who's the OKR champion and what are their responsibilities? Lawrence, what have you seen in that regard? Yeah,
1: you're spot on. Um Two things I'd like to add to what the the guys have just said because they've covered it really nicely um, is that a actually the the reflections feature of of any software, but you know, so i particular, is a really good piece. To see who also isn't taking OKR seriously because they won't be doing their reflections on time, they won't be running their check-ins on time, they won't be updating their key results on time, and that should be dealt with head on because that will have further implications for the business. Um, but also to pick up on what Scott was just saying there about the champions, um, it's all well and good having a champion and uh, putting the champion in charge of the check-ins. I completely agree with that. Um, however this is usually a brand new thing for the champions as well which means you've got to set them up for success they need to be trained in how to run a good check-in what does a good check-in look like should we be talking through every OKR or should we just be talking through the ones with low confidence should we be trying to involve every team member or just the ones who own an OKR all of these things need to be decided designed the OKR champions trained in the how and why, options for you to be able to get success with it in the business, because you want the OKR champion to be spearheading that process. so if they don't know, then the rest of the managers and the team members have no chance. Um, and just by the way, on check-ins, there's no reason why team members, rather than team managers, can't run check-ins. Everybody should be more than capable of running check-ins, and the more people you can get involved in running them, the more seriously OKRs. Are in the-
0: great thanks guys um so just want to move on to something that we touched on earlier and i think you brought it up lawrence about appraisals and performance management and it's something that we often get asked about is appraisals, performance management and okrs so all three of you basically i want to ask what's your take on linking performance management to okrs and does this help or hinder your team when it comes to taking them seriously so i'll come to you scott first if that's okay of course um yeah, we, we run into that question all the time. Um,
3: the short answer, I think, is, you know, don't do it. Um, and that's what most of the, you know, OKR canon uh, out there that's available suggests. Um, however, we so and the reasons for that, and Matt Lawrence, you can probably expand on it, is that, you know, the OKRs are intended to be strategic in nature right they're not to do's they're not action items they're you're supposed to pull or push the organization in a certain direction and focus energy in a, in a certain direction um, not only for the company of course but the department and the individual teams and hopefully you know all those goals link up to top level objectives um, but if you you know have that that you where you're trying to push or pull the organization in a, in a fairly dramatic way, um, those those OKRs or objectives should be aspirational in nature, right? And so they should be stretch goals in many cases. Um, and if that's the case, then if you're tying compensation to stretch goals, then uh, you can run into scenarios where over the course of time, those goals get easier and easier to obtain because everybody wants to achieve their bonus, of course, and everybody wants to be able to perform, you know, very well toward their you know, uh, you know, that part of the compensation that is, is variable or bonus based. So you, inherently it's kind of antithetical to the OKR methodology to tie, you know, individual performance and bonuses to, uh, to OKRs themselves. On the flip side, we have seen it be successful, um, when setting, you know, company level bonuses. So if, it, you know, oftentimes depends, it may not be all the employees in the organization. It might be more management, VP-level, C-level executives that are bonus based on achievement of objectives for the company overall. And we have seen that be successful, um, you know, making sure that, the you know, obviously the, the people that are in charge, they're, you know, focusing the organization and it is, you know, a, a, a measurement on management perhaps more than individuals. Um, I know that might be a little controversial, so I turn it over to the other two to uh, get their opinions. Yeah, I can. Uh, in if you want, like. yeah. fantastic.
1: <laughs> Sorry, Matt. Um, yeah, I think Scott has has nailed the question whether you should link OKRs to reward and compensation, appraisals, etc. Um, and I think his, his, his take on company-level objectives, linking to bonuses, is, can can be well-argued, to be honest, and can be quite sensible. You know, if really that's where the C-suite and um, heads of department are pushing their effort and energy, then absolutely, they, they should also be wise enough and, um, you know, I don't know what the word I'm looking for is, but, but basically adult enough to be able to take on stretch targets and accept what the implications of those are. However, what I think Scott didn't quite touch on is um, whether linking these things or not linking these things, i.e. OKR, the appraisal, performance management, is going to help or hinder teams when it comes to taking OKR seriously. And to be honest, I don't think doing it one way or doing it the other way will either help them or hinder them when it comes to taking them seriously. What will really hinder them is not having a consistent approach across the business or a consistent answer across the management team, which means you really have to have decided the answer before you tell everybody that you're doing OKRs. Because one of the first questions will be, well, what does that mean for me? What does that mean for my pay? Is my bonus going to be linked to it at the end of this quarter? And if you don't know that answer, or if you give an answer that's different to your colleague or somebody else on the management team, you are asking for trouble. So really, make a decision and stick to it. And, you know, that's the importance of the playbook exercise that we run, um, that Jenny, you're obviously very familiar with, but Matt and Scott, I know you guys are as well, where we... we Help our clients make all these decisions prior to rolling them out to the rest of the organization you know so these things are answered and there's clear and consistent messages happening at every single part of the organization at every single level doesn't matter if you're a multinational uh, business with a hundred thousand employees or if you're 20 people um, you know all based in a co-working space it, it really doesn't matter the consistency has to be there Uh, And that's the most important thing when it comes to whether OKRs are going to be taken seriously, whether they're linked to those things or not linked to those things.
0: Matt, did you have something you wanted to add on
2: that? I I strongly agree with uh, both with what Lauren said and Scott. Um, I'll just add one one more um, angle to this, which is uh, one more danger to explicitly linking performance management and OKRs together is that you're going to be heavily at risk of just making the whole process too complicated? And um, it, it really resonated uh, what uh, Lawrence said about, "and you know, hey, don't don't overcomplicate this process. If you you know have your agile process and that's working well, don't assume that you have to replace um, replace that with OKRs. Uh, this idea of hey, let's only um, you know add OKRs where there's actual value." Um, you know, the challenge with performance management is, as soon as you say, this is linked to performance management, now uh, you're, you've almost trapped yourself into needing to have goals for every single individual in the entire organization. And now you're going to have you know, organizational-level goals, uh, departmental-level, team-level, and individual-level. You know, suddenly, there's thousands and thousands of goals, uh, even for a relatively small organization. And you know, your chance at being able to uh, beat the equation of time spent uh, is uh, less than the value received. Uh, it's going to be really hard to solve for that equation. So it's one more one more good reason to not explicitly link them.
0: Great, thanks, man. thanks all for answering that question so explicitly. Um, so today we've touched on implications of kind of teams and individuals not taking OKRs seriously. So if I come to you, each of you and ask you for your kind of one main top tip when it comes to getting teams to take it seriously, um, I think that would be really useful for our audience and to round out the conversation nicely today. So, Lawrence, I'm going to put you on the spot first for your top tip, please. Joking.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Stage top tip, um, which is design the process. There is an element of design to this when you first implement um, implementing OKRs. Know the answer, and then communicate thoroughly. You know, and communicate on a personal level as well. Um, so, design, know the answer, communicate
3: is my top tip.
0: Perfect. Thanks, Lawrence Scott. Coming to you next, please.
3: Yeah, I think um, I think we we kind of skirted around the topic but we didn't really address it head on which is you know if you really want teams to stay involved and, and embrace the OKR methodology it's absolutely necessary to get them to craft their own goals right so what we run into constantly is the the debate over whether you know to cascade or not cascade so a lot of organizations will go into the OKR methodology thinking okay I set the top level company goals, I publish those, everybody you know, next level down needs to create those based on those goals. Next level down, you know, waits for the OKRs to be drafted ahead of them and then they re- draft their goals. A, obviously that process can take a long time, so you get halfway through a quarter before all the goals are set. But B, most importantly, if you're if you do that approach, then you're not gonna get the involvement from the team members themselves. You're not gonna have you know, involve the key stakeholders to get ownership um, in in the entire process. So we advocate a top-down, bottom-up process. So yes, absolutely, executives need to set the top-level company strategic goals. Um, but once those are published we advocate a bottoms up approach where the individual teams then craft their goals and then, you know, share theirs up throughout the organization. And that's again, where the SoCare champion comes into play where you you need to tie those goals together and and facilitate a process to, you know, garden, um, garden those goals and make sure that uh, you're, you know, all of them are set appropriately and they do in fact link up to top level company objectives and there aren't duplicates good goods and there aren't conflicting goals throughout the organization. But the key point there is that if the teams themselves aren't crafting their goals, they're not going to be, you know, they're not going to buy into the process nearly as readily as if the goals were handed to them.
0: Great. Thanks, Scott. And Matt?
2: My top tip is going to be to not forget to actually frame uh, in a positive way, why we're doing the, the OKR process itself. Um, and it's it, be clear and communicate. Uh, as Lauren said, and this is not about micromanagement. Um, this is not you know, about busy work. This is a way of uh, providing focus and autonomy. Um, and you know, really make sure you answer that question of what's in it for me, um, down to every team and every individual and frame how this business process is going to Actually, be valuable for them, um, not just a, another thing you're asking them to do in their already busy days.
0: Perfect. Thanks, all three of you. I know I put you on the spot there, so thank you for taking my question on board. Um, that's kind of bringing our conversation to a close today. And I know we've had so, a little bit of sound issues, so apologise to our listeners for that today. Um, so if you have, if today's episode has rose, risen any questions for anyone, then please feel free to reach out to Matt Tucker and Scott Campbell at Coan or Lawrence Walsh at There Be Giants. Um, and thanks for generally joining us on today's episode of Giant Talk. If you enjoyed the session, we'd love you to pop over to your podcast provider of choice and leave us a review, preferably a five-star one would be great. Um, And just a final note, just to say thank you to Matt, Scott and Lawrence for joining me today and we'll see you on the next episode of Giant Talk. Thanks for having us. Thank you,
2: Jenny.
0: Bye.